0: Alright, why don't we take this time to uh, bow our heads in prayer and we'll ask the Spirit to uh, illuminate us before we read the Word of God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the Word that you give to us. And we remember and recall Jesus' temptation saying that humans don't live on bread alone but from every word that comes from the mouth of God and so Lord we make that same confession today Lord it is your word that sustains us and it is your word that gives us life so today we want to be exposed to the truth of your word so Lord as we re- read scripture today we pray that you illuminate us that God you allow us to understand what it is that you want us to hear and may our spirit Or may our hearing and interpretation be interpreted by your spirit, so that our meditation can be holy and pleasing to you, Lord. We offer this time to you, we commit and dedicate this time to you, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Our scripture today comes from Acts. We're back at Acts. So exciting. Back at Acts. This is where things really start to pick up. This is Acts 16, verses 6 to 12. I'm going to be reading from the NIV. This is Acts chapter 16, verses 6 to 12. This is the word of God for us today. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace, and the next day we went to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of the district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. This is the word of God for us today. Thanks be to God. Amen. Can we grab the lights real quick? So today is going to be uh, a little different. The sermon is significantly shorter That is a relative term. It's going to be shorter because today is the second Sunday of the new year, 2021. What we're going to do is we're going to have two sisters come up and share their testimonies and see and share how God has been working in their lives. So we'll have a short sermon on this short passage and we will hear... Uh, exciting testimonies from our two sisters. Now, we've only read a portion of chapter 16. We've skipped a little bit. If you notice, we started at verse 6. You read until verse 12, and there's a whole bunch after. We're going to be covering the whole thing on Friday Bible Study from verse 1 throughout the entire chapter, including what we spoke about today. So, please join us for Friday Bible Study. We'll be exploring Acts 16. The past week, the pastors and I were driving along downtown court. We were on the church minivan and we were driving and you know how downtown driving is. Not sure if you haven't been close to the GTA, but it's not the friendliest for people that don't live downtown. Sometimes you can't make left turns depending on the time of day. You can't make right turns if there's a red light. Some streets are different. Some are one way. Some have opening lanes during certain times and they change the other time, so it could be a little difficult. So whenever I drive downtown, I always use a GPS. Doesn't matter if it's five minutes away, doesn't matter if it's three minutes away, even if I can drive there on my own, I know the route inside, I'll still use a GPS. This week we were driving along downtown and we were on the Gardner Expressway. And the Gardner, we had to get onto Lakeshore but the GPS said, don't go out Lakeshore. And we're like, that's so weird. We have to get out Lakeshore. It's the most direct route. And so we're like, this GPS is wrong. So we got off Lakeshore, lo and behold, There was a police cruiser blocking the road. And we're like, shoot, we should have known better. The GPS is always right. We should have known better. And so we had to go around. And we were going. And 10 minutes later, we were on King Street. We were driving down King. And the GPS tells us to go right and then go around King. But for us, even though we've been corrected once, we can see the next block. I could get off the car and sprint there in 30 seconds. I could see the destination. So we said, the GPS is probably right, but let's just go straight anyway. So we went straight instead of going around. took us double the time that it would have taken us to go around. There was a roadblock. There was a roadblock. I'm not endorsing any apps, but if you have to use a GPS, you need to know the ways. Have there been moments in your life when you believe that you are on the right track, when you see the finish line, when you see the destination, but something happens and God just throws you off the rails? Maybe you're a planner and so what you do is you create an intricate list of subsequent steps that you need to take to go from A to B to Z to Z so that your mission can be complete but somewhere along the middle there is something that stops. You just come to a... Grinding halt, Or maybe you're a daydreamer and you like to dream big, but for your dreams to come true, you have to do certain things, but it seems like some things are just not working the way. Imagine that we come across roadblocks, we come across closures, we come across pitholes, and we have no choice but to turn around or to go back altogether. What if the very path that we are on is a path that we think is ordained by God? And what if the very path that we are on, we think is a path that is commissioned by God? And it's the best way that we think we can glorify God, at least to the best of our knowledge, yet we still find obstacles and hurdles in the way as if God has placed them there, even though we believe that God wants us to go in that direction. Have there been times when God had seemingly closed a door for you? There's something that you want so bad, and if you get just this, that is just smooth sailing from there. Well, if you've encountered a roadblock like that, if you've encountered a pit like that, if you've enc- encountered a hurdle like that, then perhaps you might be similar, you might be asking similar questions as the Apostle Paul. At Antioch, Paul and Barnabas were like, hey, let's go back to the churches that we preached to, and let's strengthen them, let's encourage them. And so they were going to go, but Paul and Barnabas, this power couple, this dynamic duo, split ways because of an argument they had. Barnabas is like, I want to take my cousin Mark, and Paul's like, no, he abandoned us. And so they disagree so sharply that they split ways Barnabas heads towards the island of Cyprus to the west. And ba- Paul, who has no companion, now takes Silas. And they begin traveling through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches to the north. Can we get the map up, please? We kind of zoom in on Paul and Silas here. This is a quick map that we have. It's a little hard to see. Maybe we have to get the, maybe we have to get the lights again. If you're online, you can probably see a lot better. Uh, We zoom in on Paul and Silas. So Paul and Silas are going north. So I, I can't point out if you're watching online, but there's the Church of Antioch to the easternmost side, to the very right side. That's their headquarters. That's their headquarters. So they go north. And what we're following is we're following the purple line. And then they go west because they've been to Derby, they've been to Lystra, they've been to Iconium. And so they want to strengthen the believers there. And as they're there, they actually pick up Timothy. Timothy, who is probably in his teens now. So they pick up Timothy and they continue along the purple path. But what Paul wants to do is Paul wants to go into Asia. Do you see that huge Asia there? That's not the Asia that we know today. It's the westernmost part of Turkey, modern-day Turkey. But as you can see at that point, there's just like a whoop. Paul wanted to go towards Asia, but it says that the Spirit forbade him from preaching in the region of Asia. And we read that and we say, what? Why would the Spirit do that? So they go north. So Paul says, if I can't go to Asia, I'm going to go to Bithynia. And so he goes north, but then there's another curve, there's another whoop. And then the Spirit of Jesus appeared, or didn't appear, but the Spirit of Jesus appeared didn't allow them to enter, and so what ended up happening is they just kind of traveled along the border, they kind of teeter-tottered along, and they ended up in Troas. Thank you. You can grab the light for us. So they kind of zigzagged through Turkey. We read that in scripture, and we might think, what does that even look like? We might ask ourselves, what does that even mean? What does that even mean? We have to pause here and wonder for a moment. Firstly, why did the Spirit forbid Paul from preaching in Asia? And why did the Spirit of Jesus prevent Paul and his companions from entering into Bithynia? And not just the why, but how. How did Paul understand that this was a spirit of God that was preventing him? I know a pastor who I've gotten to know quite well while I was in college. He's a really, really bright individual. Um, Oftentimes, bright individuals are a little socially awkward, but he's very bright, a little awkward, And he went to seminary, a really big seminary. He got his Ph.D. He was an adjunct professor in various seminaries. He's a real scholar. He's a real scholar. And one day he was sharing his dreams with us, with the college students. And he said that God had came to him and that he was persuaded that God had commissioned him to write a textbook. And I don't know what this conviction or what this revelation looked like. Maybe it was a dream. Maybe it was an impression. Maybe it was a thought. Maybe it was some kind of conscience that would speak to him. But this would be a textbook that would be for scholars, for Christians, for non-Christians, for skeptics, for critics. And this textbook would change how we perceive God. And he would pave a way, God would pave a way using that pastor to bring about an interdisciplinary conversation to make a case for God. And so he would juggle with the sciences, he would juggle with the philosophies, he would juggle with law and morality, and would make sense of God in these different perspectives. This was a calling that this pastor had received. He was so convinced that this was God's will for him, to the point that his entire faith hinged on this reality— His entire perception of the reality of God hinged on this moment because of his conviction. And for him, if this didn't come about, then there would be no other evidence in his life that God was real. This would be the way that the God self would reveal God to him and we might think is that foolish i don't know maybe or maybe he just had such faith in god's promise that he was able to put all his eggs in one basket i'm just trying to make a point of how dedicated he was how convinced he was that this is what god had wanted him to do but there was a long period of silence he got his work out but no one really wanted to publish his work, And so he's waiting and waiting and waiting, and he's wrestling with God, saying, what's going on? Isn't this what you called me to do? Prayerfully, mind you, but there's nothing. And just when he was about to lose all hope, he gets a call. He gets a call from a pretty well-known publisher, and they want to publish his book. And so this was huge news, not only for him, because for him, this affirmed God's calling for him. But it's also huge news for us because we were all praying for him, too. And so we're like, wow, God has been listening to our prayers. And so after he submitted his draft, which is the book that he's been writing, there's more silence. There's more silence. He doesn't hear back from them. And he doesn't hear back from them for months. Usually these things take time, but this was absurdly long and so he decided to contact the publisher, but what happened was the draft that he sent got lost somehow. So they just totally forgot about it. They just totally forgot about it. So he's thinking to himself, God, what's happening? Can't you remind them a little bit? All they, do is, all they need to do is write a sticky note. So he's disappointed, wondering if this is still what God wants for him. And so he submits another draft because they lost his copy. And then there's more silence. And he's about to lose it. He was already losing hair, but he was start, really starting to bald. So he decides to call the publisher again after waiting months. And what happened was the editor in charge, we don't know if he got sick or if he uh, moved to another publisher, uh, publishing firm, but he, he just left. The publisher that was in charge, or, or not the publisher, the editor that was in charge of his book was no longer there. And at this point, after having gone through all these roadblocks, he's really wondering, is this what God is doing? Or is the world stopping God from bringing about his will? At at this point, he gets really confused. He's asking, is God putting up the roadblocks? Or did he just get the whole thing wrong? After much prayer, he decides to go through the process all over again. And they want to see his work. And so he sends it, and it's been years, but they receive it, they like it, and they publish his textbook. And so God's promise to him had eventually come through. When we hit a roadblock in our lives, especially when we think we're carrying out the will of God, we sincerely believe we are being obedient and doing the best we can to follow his leading. When we come to a roadblock, we ask God, why? We ask God, what's going on? I thought this is where you wanted me here. I've been discerning and I've been waiting on you. And this is a conclusion that you've given me. But there's so many roadblocks stopping me from going to where I think I need to go. Paul was commissioned by the elders and the church of Antioch to preach the gospels to the Gentiles. That was Paul's objective. He wanted to preach the gospel to all of what we now know as modern-day Turkey. It's a huge land to cover, especially when there were no cars. There was no internet. He had to actually go in person and preach the gospel. His first trip with Barnabas seems to go okay. It went pretty well. But on his second trip, he is stopped by the Spirit from going into Asia. And he is stopped by the Spirit of Jesus from entering into Bithynia, And he is stopped by the Spirit from preaching in certain regions, and we ask why? Wasn't it Jesus that commissioned his believers to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth? Wasn't it God and the Holy Spirit that filled Paul when the elders laid their hands on him so that he could be commissioned to be a missionary to the Gentiles? Could it be that God had changed his mind? Could it be that Paul and Barnabas and the elders misread God's messages? Could it be that God didn't want the good news to be spread in certain areas? He was withholding the gospel. It's puzzling, isn't it, when we think about all the variables in our lives. And when things don't go the way that we want, when things don't go the way that God shows us, it's puzzling. Especially when it comes to something as basic as evangelism, which we might agree is a universal thing to which God calls us to. Something that is undoubtedly for the kingdom of God. There are a few questions that arise. Well, first of all, how did Paul even know that God was not allowing him to enter Bithynia? How does Paul know that it was God that was preventing him from preaching in Asia? I don't know. (laughs) It's one of those things in the New Testament that is so unsatisfying, and it's too bad that it's not recorded in Scripture. It's really too bad, because that would have been so helpful for us if a little bit of what Paul was thinking was recorded. Jesus had appeared to Paul on his road to Damascus, so maybe it 's possible that Jesus had appeared again to Paul on his way to Bithynia. Who knows? maybe as Paul was about to head into these regions, he was stopped at the border of the province by some officials and not in not let in and maybe he understood this to be god 's working, or maybe Paul got sick because we know that he was um, sub, he was kind of subject to these ailments he was prone to these sicknesses and maybe Paul attributed the sickness to God maybe not saying that God had inflicted Paul with these ailments per se but that the sickness had come at a time which prevented Paul from entering these regions or preaching in these areas at the end of the day we can't know we can't know there's a lot of people that try and see what this was there's a lot of people that try and see how Paul has discerned this but we can't know But here's a good guess. God was saying no, or Paul had gotten it wrong, or God was saying not now. God was saying right now is just not the time. Because you see, what's important for God is not just the materialization of his will, but it is also the timing and the methodology and how it's done. Because if you look at the map that we looked at, if you look at that, you'll see that Ephesus and Colossae is in Asia. That's interesting, isn't it? So we know that later on that God had allowed Paul to go to Asia to minister to Ephesus, to minister to Colossae. But it just seems that right now, for whatever reason, God was stopping Paul from doing that when later it seems like God said it was okay, that that's actually something that God wanted Paul to do. And so it's not a matter of God does not want Paul to go to Asia, but God does not want Paul to go to Asia right now. Here's what we do know. As Paul and his companions were wandering, they were hitting roadblock after roadblock after roadblock, no doubt, discouraged, having their plans ruined by God, as God usually likes to do, they end up in Troas. Troas was a Roman colony that's around 10 miles away from Troy. It it might be a city that's more familiar to us. And Troas was an important seaport that connected Macedonia and Greece with Asia Minor. And in Troas, we read that Paul has this vision of a Macedonian man that tells Paul, to come and help us. And what happens is Paul understands this as something that is from God, as a sign from God. And when we look at the map and we compare it with today, where is Macedonia? It's in Europe. See, Paul was a dreamer. Paul had thought that it was God's will to preach, that it was God's will for Paul to preach the gospel to all the Gentiles in the north, northernmost part of the Near east and all of asia but god says no that's not what i have planned for you god redraws the circle of paul's plan in which the gospel is preached and god draws a new circle and a larger circle far bigger than what paul had initially imagined and this includes europe and so at the time these roadblocks may have appeared to be no's from god but in hindsight we see that there is a much bigger picture that is being drawn by god and it was actually a series of no's which led to a big yes god had intended for paul and his companions to not develop tunnel vision for asia to uh, turkey to the near east but God maybe wanted for Paul and his companions to venture beyond into Macedonia and Achaia, both parts of modern day Greece, to Europe. So Paul was thinking about the Middle East, but God's saying, No, I want you to go to the Middle East and Europe. Isn't that wild? Wow, isn't that crazy? Sometimes we think when we are being obedient to God's call and God's plan and will for us, we had a road. And our heart sinks and we ask God, what is going on? I thought this is where you wanted me to be. I'm being obedient. I'm being still. And the idea of what still is, it's not in your passivity doing nothing. But how one teacher explained it was like it's the dog that is looking at the master that is awaiting his command. And so the dog is fixed on the master's hand, waiting for the next gesture. So it's waiting on God and seeing what it is that God's going to show us next. And we're asking God, why are you closing these doors when we believe we're being still and waiting on you? And in that situation, what God might be doing is not turning you away, but God might be rerouting you just like the GPS in the downtown core to open up another door for you. And this is crazy. As a result, Paul is able to minister to Neapolis, to Philippi, to Thessalonica, to Berea, to Athens, to Corinth. And on his way back home, so he makes a loop and goes back home, God allows him to actually stop by Asia and to stop by Ephesus. That's where he originally wanted to go. So Paul not only... Affirms God's calling for him to go into Asia, but God had opened so many doors, wild, bigger than what Paul's expectations are. Remember that pastor I told you about? He was waiting for his textbook to be published. He waited not weeks, he waited not months, he waited years. He waited years. But during those years, he didn't just dawdle around doing nothing. God had opened other doors of opportunities for him. He entered into ministry. He entered into small churches. He went to help churches that were breaking apart, that were falling apart, acted as an interim pastor to help rebuild their foundation And he thought that God's will for him was to become a scholar, was to go into academics, but not in his wildest dreams, he didn't think that God would call him into ministry because he thought he didn't have the gifts for ministry. See, the Spirit continues to move in us when we trust in the Spirit and continue to move. And so when we hit a roadblock, we don't stop. But we wrestle with God, and we contend with God, and we look for other doors that God might be opening, even if if it may not look like the original path that we were on. Here's what's even more crazy. Are you ready for this? I don't know if you're ready for this. This is so wild. The book of Acts is crazy. For the past 15 chapters... The pronoun that is used by the author is third person. It's they, it's they, it's Paul, they, Paul, Barnabas, they. Luke is describing the apostles. Luke is describing the deacons, the missionaries, the elders, all in third person. But in verse 10, there is a radical shift from they to we. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia. Who wrote the book of Acts? Who wrote it? Luke. Luke. Luke wrote it. See, the bigger picture, it seems, was that God had wanted Paul to swing by Troas for two reasons. One, so that God can open up opportunities for Paul and his companions to go to Europe so that God's words of good news is not only spread out in the Middle East, but also to Europe and literally to the ends of the earth. But the second reason is, or maybe we suspect is that it was important for Paul to add Luke into his party. I bet Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke had no idea that the report that Luke would write to his boss Theophilus would end up being canonized and immortalized as the eternal word of God, which teaches the good news of Jesus. I bet in the resurrection, Silas, Paul, Timothy, and Luke would be like, that's so crazy, That was just my report. That was just my work. That was my weekly report. But God used that to save people. God used that to save people. So from this roadblock, we see that Luke is now added to the companions of Paul and that the gospel now had access to all of Europe. But I think there's also one more reason that we don't really think about and this was God's way of taking care of Paul. We know, we read in Paul's letters that he had a thorn on his side. We can't really know for a certain what this is. We try and argue and debate and see what this is. Maybe it was bad eyesight, maybe it was something else. But Luke was a physician. And so perhaps God saw that it was necessary that as Paul was curing souls, as God was providing for Paul, that Paul would also have an opportunity to care for himself. One more thing before I end off. If you look at verse 11, it says they sailed straight. After Troas, they sailed straight. This might not be just a geographic terminology, but sailing straight is very much a nautical terminology. It is a nautical term that is used to describe a perfect sailing condition where the wind is at the backs of the people of the boat, where the wind is at the backs of the sail. And they just go. When Paul was exactly where he needed to be, there was no resistance. God didn't just open the door to Europe, but he swung it wide. And Paul and his companions went straight through. The cliche, God moves in mysterious ways, has become so deeply permeated in our culture that it's practically become Christian pop culture, right? But there is truth to this cheesy cliche. Church, my brothers and sisters, this is my prayer for us, is that as we struggle through this thing called life, as we hit roadblocks and hurdles and pits that we realize that God is still fully in control, that we recognize that God is sovereign and we treat God as such. God who sustains all the cogs and the gears of the universe is the same God who loves us and dearly wants us to maximize our potential for serving the kingdom of God. During these difficult times that we may encounter in 2021, may we keep faith May we be faithful and continually remind ourselves through prayer that God is in control so when we hit roadblocks that we don't sulk, that we don't give up, but that we can continue to wrestle with God, that we can continue to contend with God and see what it is that God has in store for us. This is what the Lord says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. God says this elsewhere. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the short word that you've given to us. We thank you for your sovereignty. We thank you for all the goodness. And Lord, sometimes because of the circumstances of life, we are blinded and we are tunnel vision with the reality that you're in control and the reality that you're sovereign because we can only see the problem that is ahead of us. It seems like a monolith that we can't climb. But God, because you're sovereign, you give us the strength to go over that. And may you affirm the call you've given to each one of us, whether it be our vocational call or our ministerial call or our call to education or our call to service. Lord, we thank you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.